So guys, welcome Michaela. Okay, can everybody hear me? Yes, I was told to speak very loud because of the fans, and I also am soft-spoken, so I'll try to speak loud. <laughs> okay, so to start, I want everyone to imagine a time where you've been waiting for something, and you're like really excited for it. So maybe like when you're a kid, like, I don't know, like a field trip or a holiday, or maybe now like waiting to see somebody. Just think of a time where you're like really excited. Um, yeah, so for me, um, when I was a kid, I'd be very excited for Christmas. And my sister and I used to share a room. So on Christmas Eve, we would stay up very late because obviously no kid can sleep on Christmas Eve. But also, we had each other to like feed off of. So I, she was on the top bunk and I was on the bottom bunk. And we'd be like, what are you excited for tomorrow? What do you think you're getting tomorrow? And yeah, I don't think we ever really slept. Um, but come Christmas morning... We're super excited, get to have all of the like traditions and obviously for kids the presents and yeah, super exciting for children. So this brings me to the context of what we've been covering in Ezra for the last few weeks, a lot of weeks. Um, so God's people were anointed to build a temple. Um, but work on the temple had stopped for 15 years, and then it resumed again with the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. And then what we covered last week, Tatanai, the governor, confronted them and was like, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, who gave you permission to do this? Um, but he allowed them to continue until he heard back from the king, King Darius. Um, and once Darius heard back with the decree of Cyrus that allowed them to work, then Tata and I was like, okay, great, continue. And um, you can have government support. And actually, if the government doesn't support you, there's going to be consequences for the government. Um, so the temple finally was finished, and that's where we ended last week. So after 70 years from when the first temple was destroyed until now this temple is dedicated, they have their temple again. Um, so that brings me to my passage, which is Ezra 6, 16 to 22. And the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. They offered at the dedication of this house of God 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their divisions for the service of God at Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. On the fourteenth day of the first month, the returned exiles kept the Passover, for the priests and the Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were clean. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exiles, for their fellow priests and for themselves. It was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile, and also by everyone who had joined them and separated himself from the uncleanness of the people of the land to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them so that he aided them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Okay, so... Two themes that might come up while reading this passage, well, sorry, the one theme that like stuck out to me is joy. Um, so two common thoughts here are 
Like, this seems like a lot of traditions and sacrifices. Like, I don't know about you, but sacrificing something doesn't seem like all that fun. Um, so why is this joyful? And then the other thing with that is, like, oh, yeah, I guess I kind of said it. So why? Why? Even if this is joyful, like, they seem joyful, why? What's so happy and exciting about all of this? Um, so, this brings me to my first point, which is dedicating the house with joy. So these are the first few verses, 16 to 18, where they're dedicating the temple. Um, so, for dedicating the temple, it's important to know what is the temple and why is it important. So, the temple is where God dwells with his people. And if we don't know God's heart for us and we don't know his goodness, it can be hard to see why entering into his presence is actually a joyful thing. Um, so last night I was like sitting outside just kind of praying about this message and a place where I can really like focus on God's presence is if I'm like outside in nature. So I was just like outside laying on the ground looking up at the sky and the trees and it was like kind of evening, so the bugs are coming out. So first I just saw like the tree and like the blank space around the tree with the, like, with the sky in the background. And then as I look closer, you start to see like all these swarms of bugs. It's kind of gross. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's a lot of bugs. <laughs> um, but I felt like as I was looking at that, I was realizing like at first all I see is the sky and the tree. But as I look closer, I see like more of what's happening in the evening and I see these little bugs and within the swarm of bugs there's all these individual bugs flying in whichever way they happen to be flying um and that just made me think like every like you can think oh I understand God's presence but there's always more to understand of his presence and more to learn about his love for us um so I have a couple verses here that talk about his presence. So First Chronicles 16.27 says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. And then Psalm 16.11, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, yeah, going back to this gross bug reference, <laughs> um, if we can understand from these verses at a baseline and his presence there's strength and joy and yeah pleasures forevermore but as we learn more who he is and read our bibles more we understand like more fully his love for us and for people around us um and yeah that helps us understand why coming into his presence is such an exciting thing and for the israelites they in the old testament they didn't have his presence with them like it's with us now because Jesus hadn't yet atoned for them. And so they needed the high priest once a year to go into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for them. Um, but they didn't have the temple where this was happening. So for 70 years, they didn't have this. So sin was keeping them separated. Um, but now they have the temple again. So um, they have this way of making atonement and they still didn't have the fullness of his presence like we have now because we have Jesus, but they, it's like a very rejoiceful, rejoiceful time. I don't know if that's how you would say that, but yeah, a time of rejoicing because they have a way of entering into God's presence again. Um, so what does this mean for us? Well, we do live in 
like the fulfillment of the law. And so Jesus has atoned for us. And so the Spirit lives in us. And so we can rejoice, not because we have like a place to go to, to be in God's presence, but because we have God's presence in us all of the time. And as we learn more about what his presence is and his heart for us, then we can rejoice more because we know we have this great gift. Um, And yeah, as the church, um, but his presence is in each of us individually. So we can minister to each other and be ministered to by his presence in all of us. And so as the local church, we can gather together and experience his presence and benefit from each other. So that brings me to my second point, um, Passover celebration. So the next few verses, they're celebrating the Passover, and it's approximately a month since the temple has been dedicated. I don't know like the exact dates, um, but approximately a month, say, since they've dedicated the, the temple, and now they're celebrating the Passover. And this is one thing where us looking at it, we could be like Slav tradition. Like, I don't know why this is so exciting. Um, and it made me think of, I don't know if anyone has seen Fiddler on the Roof. Um, okay, a few of you. Um, but yeah, this song, Tradition, Tradition, that was my immediate thought when I was reading this. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof, um, it's a Jewish family and like a Jewish community. And dad is like, we're going to follow all of these traditions, and their daughters don't really want to follow all of those traditions. <laughs> and so as like they get older, they don't really want to have the matchmaker pair them with someone. They want to marry whoever they want to marry. Um, and so for them, they're like, mm, we don't really like these traditions. Um, but in this context, the traditions aren't like, you have to follow the tradition. This is this is what we're doing. It's not very fun. You're going to follow the tradition. This, I like to think of it more as my mom has taught me a lot about traditions. And if any, any of you know my mom, she, she's wonderful and she loves her traditions. <laughs> and we grew up with like all of our Christmas traditions. So every year we make Christmas cookies, like a lot of Christmas cookies. Um, but we all make them together and we like decorate them. And like as the kids, we would put the sprinkles on the cookies and then... We also have like our fall traditions. We make applesauce every year and like apple pie and everything to do with apples. Um, but these traditions that we do aren't like just like, oh, it's time to make applesauce now. Oh, goody. Can't wait. No, we like we're excited because it's a fun time and we love these traditions. So this is what I imagine is more like they're excited to celebrate the Passover because they love this tradition. It's a fun time. Um, and what is the Passover? Why is it so important and like a good thing to celebrate? Um, well, the Passover, they're remembering the sparing of the firstborn Israelites as there were the plagues in Egypt as God was freeing them from slavery. So that was the final plague. And then God freed them from Egypt, from slavery in Egypt, and the Israelites got to leave. And so that when they celebrate the Passover, they're celebrating this freedom from slavery in Egypt. And so it's very joyful. They're remembering God's goodness to them. It's not just a, oh, we do this because we do this. No, it's like joyful. Like, thank you, praising God for what he's done for them. So 
yeah, they're now, they're almost remembering a second exodus as the first exodus, they're being freed from slavery in Egypt, and now they're coming out of Babylon back into their land. And I have a verse here. got to flip to it real quick. Um, Jeremiah 16, 14 to 15 says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them. For I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. So yeah, this is that second exodus in there. Yes, remembering this first Passover, bringing back or bringing brought out of Egypt, but also bringing brought out of Babylon. And so they're joyfully remembering this and praising God who's done this for them. And as I said already, they've finished the Passover, or sorry, finished the dedication of the temple and building the temple in time for Passover so that they have God's presence with them as they're celebrating this Passover. So it's a very joyful time. Um, yeah, then this brings me to point three, which is God made them joyful. Um, so I have a quote from the ESV Study Bible, which says, There is spontaneous joy when God's people see evidence that he is working in the world. Um, so yeah, God has, he turned the heart of the king so that the temple would be built. And um, yeah, there would be government support to build the temple so that it actually gets finished. And so yeah, the people are rejoicing because God has given them this like task to build the temple, but he's not just saying, okay, do this and good luck, but he's actually turning hearts so that the work can actually be completed. And so they're rejoicing because they're saying, oh my gosh, my God that gave me this job to do is actually like equipping us to do it. He's not just leaving us. And so they're seeing oh, God is actually working in the world. Um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who has been like the Israelites in a time of waiting. Um, so you might be thinking like, okay, like, great, I can praise God when I see that he's working in the world, but what about when I'm like in my waiting time and I'm like, okay, like, temple's not built yet. It's been 70 years. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? Um, so like for me, I... I I'm sure lots of you know, not everyone knows, I did a gap year after I finished high school, and I served a church abroad for a year, and then in that time, I was like figuring out what I was going to do next, where I was going to go to school, and I had loads of schools I wanted to go to, and I was applying to all these places, and I was like, great, got acceptance letters, and then finances are different. <laughs> so I had to like see financially what actually worked. And God made it pretty clear that he wanted me to be at Eastern and live at home. And that was not what I wanted to do. And I was like, oh, okay. Thanks, God. I guess that's what I'm doing. Um, but I had to like wait on him. And in this year, I've been like, okay, God, like you said I'm going to be at Eastern. I'm here. Like, now what? And yeah, so I've been in this waiting time of being like, okay, God, like I'm trusting you. You've said you want me here. So I like you've promised good things in this. So I'm waiting. And in that time, like it's, there's hard things. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's been in a time like this. Um, but learning to rejoice 
in that time is a lot harder than learning to rejoice when things are going great. Um, but we can remind ourselves that the same God who promised this temple is the same God who completed the temple. And so in times like the same God who said, you're going to be Eastern, like I'm going to use you here, is using me, even if I don't see it right now. And yeah, the same God who wanted the temple still wants to be fully present in our lives. And the same God who rescued the Israelites is still rescuing us. And he turned hearts then, and he's turning hearts now in our situations and in for our church, like for the work of the church. God says, you're going to be in Hilliard. He's turning hearts and um, like equipping us for what he's called us to do. Um, so we can rejoice in both wins and losses, not just not just our wins, but also when things aren't going great and we're waiting time. So then I have a couple questions. Um, in what areas can you rejoice at God's work in your life? And are there areas where you struggle to rejoice? Important questions. Let's look at these. In what areas... And seriously think about this. In what areas can you rejoice recognizing God's work in your life? Sometimes when we're in the waiting, it can be hard to recognize the good things where God is working. And we have to be intentional about this, of looking at, God, what are you doing in my life that is worth celebrating? And so I want, I want to just pause for a second. I want you to ask the Lord that question. Lord, what are you doing in my life? Where can I recognize you are working in my life? God, would you speak to us? Just right now, would you cause things to come to our hearts, come to our minds where you are working? Where we're seeing progress, where we're seeing breakthrough, where we're recognizing you are answering, you have answered, you are transforming my life. And Holy Spirit, just make us aware right now. Thank you, Lord, that you are, you are at work. As Michaela has reminded us, you are at work and there are things worth celebrating. Now with that second question, are there areas where you struggle to rejoice? Are there things that you're processing in life? You're like, oh, this is really hard and it's hard for me to just rejoice and praise and celebrate God because I can't seem to see past these areas of struggle. We just want to lift these to the Lord. You can just even pray it to the Lord. God, these areas where I struggle to rejoice, I lift them to you now. Lord, I submit them to you now. You know my heart better than I do. 
You know me more deeply than I could ever know myself. And I submit my life, not just the good parts, but the parts where I struggle. Lord, I submit my life to you. And like we prayed earlier, just say, God, I, I choose to praise you. I choose to celebrate your victory. And God, help me to see.